grab that net. You're good. Keep going. Just do what you gotta do. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I'm just trying to better. So I could just all the way and hit it. You got that miner? Me, but. Me, but. No, I told you. Keep it left. Keep it left. Come on, you're in the net. Yeah. Nice. I knew it was already in the net. Nice fish. What is up, Yens guys? Welcome back to Fishing PA with Ryan Reed. Guys, in this video, we're gonna continue on with our video casting. I've been having a blast doing these video casts. I've been learning a lot about local fishermen, local bait makers, and really getting the opportunity to hear the story of how they got started musky fishing, as well as how they got to where they are today. Now guys, tonight I have a special guest, someone that I have just so much respect for, not only as a fisherman, but as a human being. Tonight, we're gonna have on Mr. Evan Shoss, owner and CEO of Shoss Bait Company. Now guys, the plan for tonight is to talk Shoss Baits. We're gonna talk about the lineup that Evan has. Evan's gonna give us some tips and tricks on when to run these baits, you know, scenarios that he likes to run these baits. He's gonna give you guys some excellent tips and tricks as new musky anglers. We're gonna talk musky fishing. He's gonna tell a few stories that were just absolutely awesome. Guys, I am super excited about this episode that we have tonight. Now you guys know, again, I have just so much respect for Evan Shoss. As a local fisherman, you know, as somebody that's a member of Muskies Inc., someone that really reached out to me as I was kind of attending my first Muskies Inc. meeting, you know, Evan reached out to me and handed me this beautiful miner that he painted. You know, he just basically said, welcome to the club. You know, here's a bait, go out and run this thing. Ever since that moment, I've communicated with Evan. He's been super helpful to me. He's taught me a lot about fishing for muskies and muskies in general, just through, you know, basic text messages and really through getting the opportunity to get out there on the water with him and his boat partner, Charlie Mueller, which again, Charlie and Evan, you guys are absolutely awesome fishermen. You guys are even better human beings. I appreciate everything you guys do for the club at chapter 16 and really for the fisheries and really for new anglers like me, you know, sharing information. So, you know, again, I can't say enough about Evan Shoss. I can't say enough about his products, you know, the paint jobs, the profiles, how he builds, how he paints, how he handles his customers, and really, you know, just the overall type of person he is. He is the targeted type of person that I want to have on these video casts to help you guys learn something new about the sport of musky fishing, hands down. So guys, again, super excited about this particular video cast. Let's go ahead and jump into the conversation and hopefully you guys like this as much as I did. All right, guys, we have a special guest on tonight. My man, Evan Shoss. Evan, thanks a lot for coming on tonight, man. I appreciate it. No problem, Ryan. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you know, this is this one's probably a little overdue. I've been I've been wanting to get you on to talk uh, Shoss Bay Company. So that's the that's the plan 
for tonight, if that's good with you. All right, so I got a got some set questions we'll go through. And this is kind of this is kind of fun because we it's just the two of us on tonight. So this is kind of like an interview style, which I'm I'm starting to really like. I don't know. I think it's just cool to get get to know guys better and you know kind of understand some of these lures a little bit better and and show off your lineup. So I guess the first question that I've had for guys to this point is you know, I'm just asking when guys got started musky fishing, you know, tell the story, um, if you will. So how did, how did Evan Shoss get into musky fishing? All right. So, um, I was back in college. I did some intern work with PennDOT and one of the guys just happened to be, uh, um, going to school in Edinburgh, lived in Bellevue and, uh, he spent some time pontooning, had a camp up there. So, you know, it was kind of natural. He and I just hit it off because we both fished. So it was one of those things, you know, it's it's like, um, you know, you and I, when we first started talking and sharing some information about places that we had been and things like that, and, you know, kind of fed off of each other. And, and um, you know, he invited me up for a weekend and we did some fishing up there off of, uh, you know, right around the causeway and things like that, just off of that rock here. And, uh, you know, kind of just got into it together. Like we both were just kind of like walleye fishing, bass fishing and, and saw a couple muskies and, you know, really just got into it that way, uh, fishing the spillways and things like that. So it was an interesting relationship too, because he had gone to a different school than I did and all that stuff. So, you know, just through work and fishing, um, but through his name was Sean through Sean. Um, I met a guy named Howard Wagner and um, Sean, had gone to school at Northgate and Howard Wagner's wife taught at Northgate. And one of the things that they used to do for the students whenever they were uh, well-behaved or made the honor roll or something like that was his wife would actually ask Howard to take the kids out on a fishing trip. So Sean had gone out on a fishing trip with Howard whenever he was, you know, like in high school. And I remembered that and, and said, you know, this guy, you know, up in Farmville, PA had some, you know, musky shop or bait shop and, sold some lures and things like that but i uh, just had that connection so it was kind of neat because once we got started into it you know howard was definitely the main contact point because you know everything you know, there were newspaper articles about the, the big fish that he had caught and, and things like that in the post gazette so uh, it was kind of just a natural feel and and uh that you know to ask the person that you've heard knows the most about them right. so you know through that connection and getting to know howard and and um, I eventually made a um, you know, talking to my parents and things like that. And I can't remember exactly uh, what year it was, but I, you know, I must have been a, a senior in high school or something like that. But you know, for my birthday, my mom scheduled a trip with Howard, and I remember we went up and fished uh, fished Labuff and Edinburgh lakes, and we didn't see any fish at Labuff, and then we went to Edinburgh, and I remember uh, throwing a Wendell's musky harasser. And it wasn't a muskie, but it was a bowfin, and it, like, slammed there right at the boat, boat side. I remember bringing in Howard, made me hold it up because he had never seen somebody catch a bowfin before in, in a, one of the lakes, you know. So he got to know me as the bowfin kid after that. So <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know, uh, that relationship and, and over the years, you know, going back to Howard for information and things like that. And, uh, it just always seemed to be, you know, he was a good point of – contact to get to know you know if, you know 
might have shared some lies, I'm sure, over the years. But, you know, that's one of the things. It's a musky fisherman, right? Oh, yeah, man. That That's an awesome story. All right. Now, I was just going to ask, like, you know, the reoccurring theme again, the more guys I talk to, you know, you get in, you get into musky fishing, you know, this was kind of, for you, it sounds like, you know, networking, getting to know guys, you know, getting out there on the water, you're learning from somebody like, you know, Howard Wagner. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big deal, you know, to get into the sport and have somebody to mentor you. My question though, is when you first got in, how would you consider it like a gradual thing into musky fishing? Or were you like, you know, after you saw your first fish, you were just instantly addicted and that's all you wanted to do. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of like it was one of those things that was more gradual, I would say, just because of, um, you know, like, first off, we never really had a boat. You know, I guess he had a small boat, but we never really had any kind of the, the gear or anything like that to do any other thing than cast. So when we would go out, most of the time we would just fish from shore and mm-hmm. uh, we might hit the spillways at different lakes or something like that. And, and uh, that seemed to be the easiest place to catch them. So that's what we would do. And, um, and then over time, you know, you, you gradually got into that evolution of, you know, picking up a couple downies, you know, clamp on holders. And mm-hmm. the next thing you know, you had four of them, you know, and back in those days, that's you were trolling, you know, two rods a person. So, you know, you ended up getting an ugly stick and a line counter. I mean, you know what the, you know what the progression's like. It was the yeah. same thing, you know. I mean, we gradually got our way there. And, and um, I remember... Sean used to do a big thing at his, his camp for his birthday. So we would get a, he would get a pig and roast it. And uh, so it was always a big deal. It was like in the middle of July. Um, and I remember that weekend we went up and it was, you know, we were having, it was like a big party. And, you know, we specifically said we were going to go fishing the one morning and we went out and we, man, it was, you know, it was one of those things you, you'll never forget that first moment. And uh, it was on a Leo musky dog, jointed musky dog, you know, trolling, you know, south below towards Jamestown, rod goes off and look back and seeing that fish like on the surface of the water just rolling and seeing how big it was. It was like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do, you know. And uh, after that, I think it was a different story. Now, you know, we we caught some fish here and there before that, but once you saw that one trolling like that, and it was like, yeah, this is first off because when you first hear everybody tell you what they're doing to troll it's almost far-fetched. Like, you can't believe the guys are trolling with short lines and, mm-hmm. you know, four miles an hour, and these fish are literally coming up and grabbing the thing, just, you know, feet under the surface and 15 feet of water. But it's it's reality, you know. And once you see it happen, and it makes all those things click in your head, and you realize, like, yeah, this is this can be done. Um, and then it really kicks you in the pants because then you realize – how little you know about it you know making them have the one time is just you know it's just such a small piece of the puzzle but, oh. you know, it, it just you know it i feel like musky fishing is you know as an angler there's goals to achieve and you do that over time you know it's one thing mm-hmm. to catch your first one uh one thing to catch them different styles um another thing to get somebody that you know on one you know share that mm-hmm. knowledge with somebody else um and then, you know, multiple fish days, you know, uh, it's, it's just there's so many achievements to be had with musky fishing. And I think, you know, you get to the point where, and you see it with some of the guys that you've had on the podcast before, you know, one of them, specifically Kevin Goldberg, um, you know, shares it with everybody. 
and mm-hmm. it's it's just great to see. You know, that's it's really cool, um, and that's what musky fishing can do for people. You know, and that's the thing. Yeah. It's it's not just you know guys guys bass fish and walleye fish and you know get stuck in a rut doing this or that. But I feel like once you get to muskies, guys just stick. You know, and that's the thing. Like you see, you know, what's the next level up? Saltwater fishing. You know. Yeah. Well, I wish we could move to the beach, but it's not happening for everybody. Nah, not for me anytime soon. Oh, I hear you. I'm stuck here in, yeah. in Western PA, which, you know, yeah. I'm happy with. <laughs> hey, I agree with you, man. There's, there's not really many better places to be, honestly, and, and thinking about it. And I've traveled a lot of other places. Uh, you know, calling this home is it's not bad. And, yeah. uh, you know, my only complaint is when I go to Wisconsin and can drive 40 minutes and go to 10 musky lakes, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. pretty nice. But, you know, drive, I mean, I, I, I have about an hour drive to the closest place for me to fish, you know, maybe a little bit shorter than that. But, um, you know, it's worth it. You know, I feel yeah. like, you know, for the time invested and, and especially now these days and seeing the, the investment that the Fish and Boat Commission has made, you know, it's it's made it a lot easier for me to catch these guys, so. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, I think the the progression is interesting too to hear. There's a you know there's a there's a good amount of guys that you know I've talked to within the last maybe year and a half that want to get into the sport of musky fishing. You know, they want to spend some time and they want to do it right. And you know, I talked to a guy recently that was asking me questions about gear. You know, we we're this was probably back in January. I was out fishing, ran into somebody and. You know, he was asking all these questions like, do I need this? Do I need that? You know, what kind of, and I think the interesting piece is what you said is, you know, this is a, there's a progression here. You know, you don't have to do everything up front, you know, to spend, you don't have to go out and spend, you know, 10, 15 grand just to get into the sport. You know, this is a progressional thing. And I think that's important for, for guys, you know, I have a tendency to forget that. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, I need everything now. I want everything now, but really there's, there's a progression of things and there's so many different goals, like you said, you know, and that's, that's something that I need to not lose sight of too, you know, setting those types of goals and, and being realistic, you know, with myself knowing how much I can fish and, and, and just instead of chasing numbers, you know, set a goal for yourself to, you know, learn something new and, and that's the thing about musky fishing. You're, you're never going to know everything, you know, but yeah, that's cool stuff. So my next question though, is how, so you're musky fishing, you're, you've got, you know, guys that you're fishing with, you're, you're out there catching fish, you're trolling, you're casting. So what, you know, what made you want to get into making musky lures, if that's fair? <laughs> Like it's tricky just because I started out making um, I started out buying flies. So um, back when I was in you know say late middle school, early in high school, um, my grandfather passed away. Got a fly tying kit off the hand. Never really did anything with it. But when I got into high school, there was a group at a uh, local high school, another local high school that. Um, they did like a fly tying mentoring program and then had some other things. It was called family ties. And that was really cool for, um, you know, kid from the city. First off, I mean, I grew up in you know, the middle of Pittsburgh. Um, and, and never really, you know, like I did some trout fishing and stuff like that before, but just on local streams, but 
to uh, learn fly fishing and, you know, put those skills together with the stuff that I already had, you know, inherited mm-hmm. all these pieces and then just never really got to use it. Uh, learning that knowledge and being able to put it together. So, and that's kind of where the whole, you know, being able to trick a trout into eating a fly when you're mimicking, you know, a hatch that's coming off or something like that is just, you know, it really clicks with you because you think of, you know, these fish are keyed in on this bug. Uh, it's part of the, the food chain. You're mimicking, you know, something that they are already knowing, you know, and, and fooling them, you know, to eat it. Right. It's pretty cool. Um, so it kind of gets into that. And, um, you know, the progression of that was I went to school in State College where they had limestone trout streams and hatches and things were great. Once I graduated from there, moving back to Pittsburgh was like, yeah, I can fish these freestone streams again or drive three hours to the closest place to do this over, you know. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got into bass fishing for a little bit and then progressed into, uh, you know, not really a whole lot of tackle making with bass fishing, but when I got into muskie fishing, um, I don't remember exactly when it was, but there was an article that I had read in the newspaper about Elwood City being a hotbed for muskie lures. And uh, that was one of those things that it was just kind of intriguing to me because it's like I knew the native range of the muskie was the Ohio River watershed. You know, it's like some of those streams in the Ohio River watershed come down that way. Um, so guys had been catching muskies up there that were kind of and natural muskies are stocked in the early days. Um, so it was really interesting to hear, like, that, you know, not far from Pittsburgh, it's this whole group of guys that made these lures. Uh, so it was interesting to me, and, and just um, also that from the research that I did, there wasn't, like, a whole lot of other areas around the U.S. or like that. So, like, yeah, in Wisconsin and Minnesota, just because there's so many lakes and you know, a lot to do, but besides those areas, you know, it's like, there weren't other places that were like that. So this is pretty cool to have this in your backyard. Um, And then some of that too was, you know, like being able to go to early in my career, uh, there were these big fishing shows. Like back when I first started the, it was just, I think just called the Western Pennsylvania Muskie show was at Robert Morris university. Um, It was a pretty big show. Um, and it was neat. I mean, not that the Muskie Max and these things aren't big shows because they're probably comparable in size, but it was, you know, it back then too. Um, and that's kind of the whole thing. I got got into a club that was started by Howard Wagner at Moraine. Uh, it was called the Moraine Muskie Association. And uh, some of the people in that club, the one guy that I met through the club, specifically Rich Whiteside, was uh, like, you know, you think of a, you know, Franklin Park, same kind of deal. It's not like, you know, you're not from Wisconsin. You're not from Minnesota. I mean, this guy was like diehard musky. You know, he was, he's dedicated to the sport. He was, uh, you know, and, and in the first couple of years of meeting him, we flew out to uh, Chicago and went to the Chicago Muskie Show. So and it's like, can you think of many people that are, you know, it's crazy about going fishing and going to, you know, in the dead of winter. I mean, it was literally, it was, you know, 12 degrees, I think, in Chicago. You, know, you fly to a place that's colder than Pittsburgh, first off, mm-hmm. anybody would think you're crazy. Um, you know, rent a car, driving through Chicago in a snowstorm just to get to the Muskie show. <laughs> and, uh, but that was one of the coolest experiences for me, just to see all those different builders from that area. Um, meet, we, we met Larry Dahlberg. Uh, had a really good talk with Larry Dahlberg. Um, 
know, he had a seminar that was just amazing to hear, like, the, the stuff that Larry Dahlberg has been through on fishing trips and things like that to get to where he is. Um, and it kind of just made me think, you know, it's like there's just so much, you know, heritage and history in this area. The nostalgia of Muskie and West PA is just, you know, um, you can't deny it that it's there. And it's just so cool that you know, I, I started to, I had carved some stuff before. And I, I want to say that it, they were just, you know, fish carvings. You know, they weren't necessarily lures or anything like that. But, um, you know, at that point, just made an investment in, you know, getting a band saw. Actually, the first thing I bought was a scroll saw. And, you know, learned the, learned the hard way that that was a little bit too difficult to cut blanks out with. And, you know, it's just all like everything else. It was a progression. So, um, <clears throat> kind of one of those things too, you know, I started out the hard way. I was making lures out of a type of wood that, that would soak up water. And you know, I caught some fish on them, but they were falling apart. So, mm -hmm. you know, you learned over, you know, trial and error was mostly at that time. There wasn't a whole lot of resource online where you could, you know, just Google musky fishing or musky bait oh, making wow. and come up with pages, you know, like basement bait pages or anything like that. So, um, it was really just, you know, kind of just trying stuff out and trying to figure out how to make something work the way you wanted it to and would it withstand the catching a muskie and then maybe would it, you know, be able to catch another one. So it was, uh, it was what I worked on doing and, uh, through meeting Howard Wagner and things like that, um, fishing those creeks, like I told you, uh, spillways and things like that, um, got into making like a small crankbait, just like a small twitch bait style. Um, it was maybe four inches long and uh, had my first multiple fish day uh, up at Woodcock Creek Spillway. And uh, I think I got three fish, maybe one of them might have been over 30 inches. But, you know, at the time it was huge. Oh, you know, yeah. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, you know, saved that crankbait. So that's one of those things, you know, it's like I'll, I'll never forget, you know. And I think that <laughs> winter also, um, fishing up around the same area i got like a 37 inch pike on it and it was like to me i'm like all right now i can make a bait to catch this fish you know and, and then that's when you get hit with the bait maker's curse so oh, that's one of those things that uh you know it's tough so you make a bait and you catch a fish on it and then you make another bait and you catch a fish on it and then it's just like the wormhole man you just, just keep going. You just keep going. You can't stop at one, you know. And it's I, one of those problems that you end up with, no matter who you are as a bait maker. That you just, you know, and no matter what the demand is for whatever bait you're making, if you're selling them or you're not selling them or whatever it is, I mean, you just, you just have to keep making things. And uh, <laughs> it's what's always been cool. I mean, it's like, you know, it was a progression with me with flies too. And I started out catching trout on flies. Um, I wanted to catch bass on flies. You know, I started out and I got full circle to where I, you know, I tied saltwater flies. I was catching fish on saltwater, you know, going down to the beach and catching fish on saltwater flies. And I, I've caught muskies on flies. So it's one of those things that you just, you know, over time, you just kind of branch out from one to the next and just try to see what you can do, I guess. So. Yeah, that's my, that's the bait maker's curse, in my opinion, is that you just can't stop with one, and then you just keep going until 
Next thing you know, you live amongst baits. <laughs> I don't <laughs> recommend it. I don't recommend it, he says. I, man, there was so much, there, there were so many good things you said in the last five. I was trying to keep track of my mind, you know, going back to, you know, talking about the 79 belt, you know, thinking about all the legendary bait makers that came out of PA. And there's literally, there's so many, I can't even name them all. You know, you talk, you talk Wiley's, you talk legend lures, you talk, I mean, go way back to the, the Ed Ladianos. And I mean, you know, there's just so many in our area that are like well-known around the country, you know, like, you know, like I, I can remember even being in Florida years and years and years ago and going into like a bait and tackle store and seeing like a grandma's in there that they were using to cast for tarpon or whatever they were doing with it. You know, it's like, I know where that came from. You know what I mean, like, it's just, it's wild to me to, to see that. And, you know, I, I mean, that is part of, you know, I think this musky history in our area that, like you said, that you, you don't see that a lot of other places. You know, I've, I've talked to guys, you know, I'll go back to the Florida thing. I was in, I think it was like a, it was a Bass Pro maybe somewhere down around Fort Myers. And I was talking to one of the guys there and was trying to get me set up to fish from the beach, which <laughs> awful. I am an awful fisherman from the beach. Also, I cannot tie my own shoes, let alone try to tie a fly. Uh, but, you know, he's like, I was telling him like, oh, you know, I'm like, I'm really getting into this musky thing. You know, I, I just, I don't know how to fish from the beach. Like, this is what I'm starting to learn, you know, to do. And he looked at me, he's like, do they, he's like, you have muskies in Pennsylvania? And I'm like, yeah, you know, we've got, you know, we're starting to have a good population and stuff. And he's like, I, you know, I thought that was a Midwest thing. Like, I didn't know you guys fish for muskies in, in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, like, and I don't know if that's, that's, that's a reality of outside of our area. You know, people don't, I guess people don't really think about it down South because you're so far away from it, but there's just literally so much history. So that's cool. So that was all part of the, the Shaw story of how you got into making baits. And I, I will touch on one thing. I mean, you know, I've, I've talked to you many times about making lures. I, I attempted to make a crankbait and it, it's so it swims good enough to catch a Canadian pike, which doesn't have to be that great to catch a Canadian pike, but it, we, you know, we got a couple fish and, and I, you know, just, I wanted to do that just so I could understand what it takes. And, you know, whether that, that was just such a small fraction of what's involved in bait making, like what you guys do for me to sit down and make a cedar bait, you know, tinkering around and stuff. And I think I'm glad I did that. I'll probably never make baits. I mean, I barely even try to make them now, but I can, I can tell you, like, it, it helped me understand. I felt that addiction of what you were talking about with the wormhole, you know, it just, you want to keep going. And it's like, oh, I made this crankbait. I caught a fish on it. Now I want to make a wooden rattle bait because who does that? I made a wooden rattle bait and it doesn't swim. It doesn't do much of anything, but you know, it's like, I wanted to try it. I wanted to do it, but that's, I mean, that's so relatable to me, you know, just that whole thing and the progression of how you got to where you're at, you know? And I think that, I think a lot of guys that get into musky fishing will, relate to that and I think a lot of bait makers you know and there's there's more bait makers today than there probably was I don't know I mean think about 20 years ago yeah it makes you think that 
Yeah. I mean, there, there wasn't that many options 20 years ago. I mean, there were options, but not as many as there are today. Uh, I agree with you. So, I mean, that's, that's good stuff. So the next thing I want to touch on is your lore lineup. I want to, I want to talk some baits. So can you take us through your lure lineup, which, what you got going on at, at Shaw's Bay Company? Yes, I can. So to start out, um, to show you the newest thing that I have here, which is just this. It's a mini meatball, but with a shallow lip. Ooh. So you can see it has a short square lip on it. Okay. And uh, that'll run maybe in a first, um, like maybe top. 20 inches, two feet of the column. Um, it's got a rattle in it, like the rest of them. They're wire through, except for the whole eye is a uh, screw eye. Um, and that's the shallow mini. And then we have the regular mini meatball, which is um, same body style as that shallow, but just with a similar lip to the meatball, but with a um, smaller um also with the the rattle in it that has a rattle in it too how did i not know this had rattles so yeah and that's also wire through that's complete wire through um so that tail wire is uh, the same wire that you're connecting your line to nice so those are the the mini meatballs um i also make mini meat pies but i didn't bring any of them to put them on the table but then this is the meat pie which is uh, the same shape as the meatball, uh, same lip as the meatball, but a uh, cedar flat bait. Okay. So it's um, the same deal. It's got the same rattle in it. Um, it's got the 3D eyes on it. Um, and it just That's sweet. But, and that'll dive to 15 feet can get that on the 15 feet with like 85 feet of line nice i gotta tell you i gotta tell you real quick i was at uh i was fishing at kerwinsville tournament last year and you donated a bait for that raffle and i swear to you i stared at that thing i'm like i'm sitting in we're sitting in the raffle i'm sitting there at the table and i'm like i want that i was staring at it and i didn't i didn't get called there was somebody behind me that got that got up and picked it and i was like dang it I wanted that one real bad. But anyway, sorry. That was a meat pie? It was a meat pie. Yeah. Was, and I was like, oh. It was a good color, too. I can't remember what the color. It might have been shad. It was either that or I think it was your perch pattern. I think it was a perch pattern. Yeah, I can't remember. It looked good, though. I wanted it. So then the next bait would be the OG meatball, which is just the um, the screw-eye meatball. So this is just, uh, you know, it's a. Uh, it's a square version of the meatball than the one that's out there now. Um, same lip, but uh, it's just just fatter, kind of more boxy body than the original one with uh, screw eyes. Um, and it has a rattle, as all of them do. Uh, and then that brings us to the new meatball, which is new a couple years ago, so it's not really new anymore, but the meatball, um, which is a, that lip complete wire through um complete uh resin body sorry that was um i didn't tell you that before about the other ones and um yeah same same rattle in it 
And then that brings us to the uh, seven and flat bait that I make. Um, it's a deep diver. Um, I don't really fish them. I mean, I guess I do fish them that deep. I think you can get them down to about 16, 17 feet deep, um, maybe 18 feet. But uh, that's the skeeter bait also, um, wire through. They're not all wire through. Some of them are uh, screw eye also. But um, that's I like that profile a lot. Yeah, it's been a good bait for me. Uh, pretty much one of the first style crankbaits that I made. I made a batch of those back in 2006 for a website called Musky Tooth that I belong to. And uh, it was a bunch of Canadian bait makers and things like that who are now pretty famous. Uh, Brett Cornier with Brett's Baits. Um, Sean Mayer with Hose Baits. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the guys, Johnny Datsun, actually was the one who ran the website. So uh, it was pretty cool, you know, back in those early days to to get to know some of those guys and learn about bait making from some of the best out there now too. Wow. So brings us to the next one, which is a smelt, which is a uh, metal lip crankbait, kind of like a a minnow style, if you would. Um, But that's a resin. um, Can you hold that one up? Can you hold that one up a little higher? I want to see that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm like, the funny thing is I'm like trying to get closer to my screen. Like it's going to make a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm doing the same thing. Like I can't come backwards. So. Oh, I got you. That's a sweet, I didn't know you made that. How did I, that's another Thank thing. You. Like, Yeah. I don't, it's been one of those, I haven't made a ton of them, but, and then this is the uh, joint of the smell. Um, the same feel, same body shape, same lip. Uh, it. That's very cool. Are those lips screwed in on the? Not that I want to give away any yeah, yeah, trade secrets. Yeah, also. Yep. Oops, sorry. That's cool. And then more secure. That brings us to the minor, oh. which is uh, it's a nine-inch uh, deep diving crankbait. Um, I've gotten them down to twenty-five feet. Um. Just got to run a lot of line. But, yeah. Um, you know, crawl them up to seven miles an hour if you wanted to. Um, do really well on a short line at the prop wash. They just seem to work pretty well just close to the boat. And then uh, join and minor. Um, so, same deal. That's a uh, resin through our bait. Uh, the early ones like this one was just uh, had a screw eye nose, but um, they're all through our now. Okay. That's got to be that's got to be a lot more work to do the through wire. I've never yeah. I've watched videos and stuff, but yeah, um, there's a lot more work whenever you're building the cedar bait. Um, it's a lot of work whenever you're building the resin bait too, because you have to build all the putting together all the wire before you're pouring anything like that. So yeah, um, it is a lot of time, a lot of measuring, you know, trying to get the right measurements and uh, dimensions for, but. Um, that's one of those things, like you said, with progression. You yeah. Time. You, you get it over time, and that's one of the big things that really helps is, you know, hands-on, just like musky fishing, you know, time on the water, time in, time on the workbench. And, uh, that's how you figure it out, so. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's cool stuff to see that. I wish I could see the first, the first ever bait you made. You got to get me a picture of that bad boy. Oh, I'll have to find it, but I do. Yeah, I'll have to find it for you. It's laying around here somewhere. 
I'd show you the first one I, I tried to make, but it's honestly, it's, it looks more like a doorstop, like a wooden doorstop. <laughs> Works pretty good as a doorstop. I've used it. Yeah, it's, as long as it's got a purpose, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm manufacturing doorstops. It's my new. I, the meatloaf. I didn't bring a meatloaf. Oh. I'll be right back. I All, right. All right. Three musky come off that easily. So this is a meatloaf. Uh, this is <clears throat> like 10 and a half or 11 inches. Um, you know, same deal, complete wire through. <laughs> I got a funny story about that. How's that? Well, that is an awesome color too, by the way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get there. I want to ask you about those those paint jobs of yours, but okay. real quick, we were, we were out fishing, me, you, and Charlie last year. I think that yeah, this was last fall, and we were fishing at a specific area. There were some guys fishing on shore, and you had one of your meatloafs out, and I remember reeling it in just to do a weed check or whatever we were doing at the time and I pulled it out of the water and there was a there's a young kid and his dad like fishing off the dock and the kid looks over and he goes look daddy they caught a fish and I'm like holding your I'm holding the meatloaf off it was it was pretty awesome I mean that just seeing that thing there's so much you can just tell like how much work you put into it and they're just <laughs> they're, they're awesome baits man I really love the look of them you know, it's one thing to see it at a show and play with it, but it's another thing to see it in the water and fish yeah. with it. Yeah, and that's that's cool stuff. You can tell you put a lot of work and effort into your into your baits, man. It, I, absolutely. So, yeah. So is that the that's the full spread then? Yeah, that's a full spread. I make some other stuff. I mean, that's like one of the things. Like I told you, they're just I don't make them enough to offer them for sale. So yeah. maybe every once in a while, I'll put some stuff up like. But, you know, for the most part, that's everything that I make. All right. So that's the lineup. So my next question is going to be about, I guess, maybe use cases. Just real quick. We don't have to go through the whole thing, the whole lineup. But, you know, you're with these mini meatballs, they seem like they would be dynamite in spring. And, you know, even the meatball, um, I, we were catching pike on meatball in Canada and the water temps were like low to mid forties and the wow. fish were just, they were eating. And it was funny cause they were hitting the bait and just like hanging there. We were just like dragging them, you know, while we were trolling, but they were eating it in cold water. So I guess my, my thought is I'm assuming, you know, all of these baits, like the, the meatballs in particular, you would run those a lot in the spring. Right. So is there any like use case applications for anything you like to do more with your baits? Yeah, and that's the thing I would say, you know, starting out early in the season. Um, the thing about Pennsylvania, first off, that we're really lucky is that we can fish year-round. So, you know, I'm, I'll say early in the season, but I'm going to just start in January just because we've caught them in January. Um, you know, there's different things, like you said. I mean, they can fish, you know, the creeks at that time of the year, depending on where you're at, um, some of the rivers, things like that. Um, if the lakes aren't frozen over, but we have been able to get on the lakes too. Um, but I'll say just starting in January, I'll say, um, you know, if I'm trolling on a lake or trolling on a river, I'm going to be using like that, the seven inch flat bait and a minor. Those are my two choices for that time of the year. Um, I think that that's, you know, one of those things that, um, the, 
the fish are still keyed in on a bigger size bait. You know, there's, you're still going to be able to get them to go on something like that. And most of the times, if you're fishing in the lakes, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be a little bit deeper still. They're not up in the shallow flats or anything like that. So you're still out in the open water, um, you know, trying to find schools of bait and things like that. Um, so those are my two that I would go with those times of the year. Uh, just to throw in a third would be, you know, meatball just because it's, um, because it's a smaller bait, but it fishes like a bigger size. It has a different action than a lot of other baits. Uh, that kind of chugging action that it has with a rattle uh, kind of fishes just a little bit bigger than it seems. Um, so those would be my three, um, say, until, you know, maybe the early part of, you know, late, I'd say late March, um, maybe when those the shallows start to warm up and, um, you know, say you're, on the lakes and things like that. And if you did have ice, uh, the ice is starting to break up. Um, and at that time I would, you know, start looking shallower. Um, and I would be fishing the mini meatballs, um, those new, the shallow minis now. Then uh, I'd be fishing the meat pies and then we've done well in the meatballs. So it's the same deal. All of those will fish pretty shallow. Um, you can control them short lines or you can control them. 20 feet back to get four or five feet down. Um, so it's just, you know, a little bit slower that time of the year too, just water temperatures creeping up. So, um, and then I'll take the speed. So that's no problem. Um, okay. And then the same deal, like we've talked about in the past with uh, color selection, just, you know, that time of the year with like murky water, um, using a lot of hot colors, you know, things that just stand out. Um, and with the rattles, that's always, you know, one of the things that I, yeah. I attribute to helping them in that murky water is that they give off a little bit of a, a sound for the fish, too. So, and then moving into, like, uh, after that kind of progresses, I'd say, like, maybe, uh, like, spawn, post-spawn, when the fish are starting to drop back into, you know, May period where the fish are going in a little bit deeper water again. Um, I'd stick with the same kind of, I'd go with the same two. I'd go with the meatball. Um, I'll also go with the meat pie. And then at that time, I'll start mixing in the minor again because those, you know, some of those bigger fish are ready to eat a little bit bigger meal again. And um, same deal with that bait. You literally can't put it in a, a bad spot. You know, we've got them this year fishing in the prop wash with four feet of line out. And that's like maybe five feet down, um, maybe six feet down. And then all the way down, like my hot spot would be. I, like to say 17 feet back um which has given me about seven foot down um and i've just i've done well on that in that area with the baits and then this fall we've caught fish on them deeper um like i said i can get them down to you know 20 feet or so and, and i yeah. you know <clears throat> to up there too just as well as they do anywhere else so uh, that's one of the baits is you know it's pretty versatile is where you can put it now the same deal with the meatballs and the meat pies like that time of the year if you're marking fish deeper um you know i'm not afraid to put them down 50 feet or 50 foot back um which is going to get me you know like down in that 10 foot range and that's uh you know that time of the year depending on where the fish are it might be six foot down they might be 10 foot down it just depends on you know where the bait's at what the water temperature do things like that so and as you progress from there into the fall you know, the same kind of deal we just step it up a little bit uh use those you know the miners again and you still use the meatballs uh, then i'll mix the meat the uh meat lips in a little bit 
and uh, you know, like that time of the year in the later fall is more when I'll do that when I start slowing down and you know fishing deeper and things like that. And, uh, you know, from, from taking a trip and go to Canada or something like yeah. that, whether that can happen again, then that's what I'll you know the miners and the the meatloaves are, are what I usually take up there. So yeah, that's gets you through most of the season now in the middle of the summer and things like that like a lot of them match the hatch like whatever the bait fish is you know perch shad um i always do well on black like a solid black bait um you know some other things like that you know like just different color shads you know like a purple back shad a blue back shad just depending on you know like what the color water color is like the sun's like you know it's just it all varies depending on days too. You've had, you know, some days where one bait's really hot, the next day it's just a you know, slightly different color than that, or uh, just all just because it works one day doesn't mean it won't work the next, but doesn't mean something else won't work too. So you always got to try, change it up, changing it up. Yeah, I mean that's so. I mean, obviously, I'm still learning, but that was one of the biggest things I learned from last year. Is it's different every day. Yeah. You know, and there's sometimes like I just couldn't explain, you know, what I was seeing. Like and and a lot of the I spent a lot of that time with you guys, you know, in learning and, and trying to understand. And it it's just you know, it's a couple things. It's number one, as a fisherman, you know, you want and I imagine this kind of translates into bait making too, because you're probably you're probably thinking about this as you're making or creating baits is like the versatility of what your tool is. You know, and that's something I probably need to understand or spend more time, you know, thinking about, you know, these lures aren't just, I mean, they are pretty little things, but they're, they're tools, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're meant to do a specific thing. You're, you're putting them in harm's way to get eaten by a fish, you know, and it's like, I think it's, it's interesting too. Like, so would you say like when you're building baits, you're thinking about that versatility, like you're building this particular, like the minor you're building this as a tool to solve for a specific, maybe not problem, but like a specific area or somewhere where you want to fish, like, you know, whether it's the prop or, you know, taking, you know, maybe a bigger profile to like Canada. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one of those things of, you know, where I had seen that I was getting some more quality fish on the size of bait that was like that. Um, and that, in the places that I was fishing those that they were getting hit by the bigger size fish. So it just seemed like it was, you know, it was inevitable that that size bait was perfect for what I was trying to do with it. Um, and then from there, you know, like with the, the same kind of deal, like you said, it just kind of works into, you know, as you see different situations and you can figure out, all right, this is going to work for that, or this might not work for that. You know, like, you know, like I said, after the spring, I kind of don't fish the mini meatball at all, mm. but I don't think that it won't work. You know, right. I think in the no. time, I think that would be a really good bait high in the column. If you, you know, if it was a cold front or something like that, like, I think that's a bait that would definitely perform. Um, I just don't have that you know, enough situational expertise yet. And I think that's a lot of, you know, guys that spend a lot of time on the water seeing how those different things can work for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of those things like with the progression. All right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's good stuff. I, I, I really, so I'm going to set a goal this year and I, we almost, we almost got, 
I still believe that this got hit one of the days we were out. I think it was that day in fall because we were coming around an area, the rod went off. I want to make it a goal this year to get a fish on this bait. And for a couple different reasons, you know, th this was, the, I'll tell a quick story too. And this kind of is along the lines of what you talked about, you know, with networking and, you know, joining a club and stuff. And I, I think it might've been my actual first Muskie's Inc. meeting that I went to. And I remember it was during the week. I think it was a Monday night. They're typically on Mondays, right? Yeah, I, I went out and I can remember like sitting there and I just talked to a few guys. And at the end of the night, it was getting towards the end of the night, I walked up to Joel and you, you were sitting at the table. And at that point I had never met you in person. And you, you looked at me and you said, Hey, uh, won't you give this a try? And you handed me this minor if you remember this or not. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I've ever really talked to you about this, but you know, I don't, the, so, you know, think about somebody new to the club, one of their first meetings, you walk up and somebody hands you a bait like this, you know, and says, Hey, go throw this. Like the impression that you made on me, not only within the club, but just as a fisherman and a bait maker. I mean, that was, that, that meant a lot to me, you know, somebody that I didn't really know many people in the club, wasn't talking to a lot of guys. And that had a pretty, I would say, large impact on me, you know, and just really the, the club and the community in general, you know, so that was, that was something that was really special. And I've run this thing and I haven't gotten it eaten yet. And I want to get a fish on this bait so I can send you that picture, you know, and it just, it's one of those things where I just absolutely love this thing. And I, probably for the first two weeks and I this is gonna sound really creepy but I, I took it out like every night and I was just, like sitting at home and I'm just like staring at it you know like, so I don't know man I played with my my fishing lures way too much probably but yeah that I mean that was such like a meaningful thing to me and it was you know I'm thankful that you did that for somebody like me you know to hand hand me a bait and say hey, go try this out and I remember specifically you said 17 feet back <laughs> I tell everybody, man, 17 feet back. 17. That's all you gotta, the only place you have to put it. Uh, that's one of those things, Ryan, and I appreciate you talking about it because it's one of those things that I feel like in this sport, it really helps out. You know, I wouldn't be here today fishing or bait making if it wasn't for the help of the guys around me, you know? And uh, that's one of those things, like with you know, meeting Rich Whiteside. We had some stuff in common. He fished out of a kayak. I fished out of this inflatable pontoon boat whenever I first started out. So it was like, you know, you can find things in common with these guys. You know, it's not mm -hmm. just you're out there doing it and everybody else is out there doing it. And you don't, you know, and that's the thing, like being able to bounce ideas off of him, go on trips. I mean, we went on trips all over the place, you know, um, with Howard Wagner, you know, and, and that Muskie Club, I was able to meet a guy named Jerry Mentier. You know, Jerry Mentier has been, you know, making baits in Western PA, and there's not a lot of people that even know about him. But the guy was like one of the best fishermen, one of the biggest pioneers of fishing other areas outside of Western PA. And, um, you know, it's just amazing to hear the history from these guys. And I feel like if you aren't able to do that, you know, like if you and I wouldn't have had that first conversation, you know, we have been in the positions that we are now to you know, talk about the things that we're talking about now. And, and I really think that, you know, by meeting those people, by talking to those people, it really puts you in, you know, it, it helps you understand your, your part of where you're at in musky angling, I guess, maybe. Um, yeah. And it, and it really helped me, like, 
you know, these guys aren't going to be around here forever either. So hearing these stories and telling people about this history is also really important because how do you think we got to where we are? Yeah. So I, I think I it really helps, you know, and I think that's one of the things that Muskie's Inc. does is gives people the opportunity to get together and talk about something that we all love. We all want to be able to support, you know, and get mm-hmm. up to the next level so our kids are able to do it too, you know. So That's how I feel. And I've, you know, the club is – done a lot for me you know just through the members and talking to guys and learning and you know there's just I'm not where I want to be (laughs) you know just knowledge wise but man I'll tell you what keep talking to guys and you know you keep establishing relationships and you you help other people you know that was the other thing too is like I've been able to help a couple people catch their first muskie and I mean it was just as fulfilling as getting, you know, catching a fish, my first fish, you know, watching my brother and then one of my good friends catching his first. I mean, it was just, those are the types of things. And you get to, you get to make memories with, you know, with friends and family and, you know, you get to, you meet a lot of guys too. You know, I would, you guys took me fishing last year, you know, I was out with you, you and Charlie. And, you know, those are all things that as a fisherman, I mean, they help you learn, you know, you can bang ideas off of each other and then you can share too. Like if I'm out, you know, say if Dan and I are out in the water and you and Charlie are out, you know, there's a relationship we can text, say, Hey, I got one on this or whatever, you know, it just, it helps everybody. And it's, I don't know, you just build good relationships with good people. And it's a, uh, it's a huge deal. These fish are hard enough to catch. Yep. You, know, you take all the help, but yeah, man, I, uh, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Cause that was one thing that that has always stood out to me, you know, and I was really thankful, you know, for you at that moment to hand me that bait and kind of get me, you know, get me thinking about, you know, that sort of thing. And, and just that impact, you know, what, what other guys can do for you as a fisherman. So, man, I got to, we got another question here. I want to talk about color. I want to talk about lure, lure color. Um, your paint jobs drive me insane because I, so I remember talking to you and then going to Max and this was like one of the two baits that I wanted. I wanted to get some type of perch pattern. I love the way you paint, you know, the, it's just the scale, it's the glitter, it's the colors. I mean, you know, Goldie that, I mean, it's just, everything's so clean, man. You do such a good job with your paint. And I, again, I can't even really begin to think, you know, how hard it is to paint. You know, I, I was using a brush on, you know, on my stuff and it, I, awful, you know, but seeing this, it's like, these really are like art pieces to me, you know, and there's a lot of good painters out there. You know, there's some guys doing some crazy stuff, but you know, your paint is clean and it, it really, even down to the epoxy and the eye selection you use. So talk to me about paint a little bit, you know, what, uh, what are your colors? Do you have any like specific colors or how do you, maybe how do you, uh, how do you paint or how do you come up with ideas for colors? If that's fair. That's a tough one. My ideas for colors are just things that have already been out there. I and mean, I think mm-hmm. a lot of it is, you know, every year I do try to come up with some new stuff. And, um, but a lot of it is just, you know, guys, guys are constantly asking if you have a color list or what's out there. And, um, I really don't. Um, and I just pretty much tell people that anything that they want, that they have a picture of, I can paint for them. Um, and that's most times, you know, matching colors or things like that. That's pretty much the only way that I'm able to do it. Um, for colors that I like to paint, 
I would have to say that um, for me, honestly, you know, a lot of just like the black, the basic black stuff is like, and it's not because it's easy. It's because painting a bait solid black is pretty freaking tough, man. To get a bait to turn out like, you know, without yeah. hair or something stuck in it, solid <laughs> black is definitely pretty difficult. Um, but they work. Uh, besides that, like, I really do like all the perch kind of stuff. I like to mm -hmm. match, like, you know, it's kind of like a fly tire. I mean, I like to match the hatch. I like to try to get it um, with a lot of, like, scale patterns, a lot of contrast, you know, a lot of, a lot of different things that are going to, that I think, I guess, are going to pop for the fish. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's, you know, a different belly color, maybe like a scale pattern on the belly, um, which you don't really see a ton of people doing. No. Um, just gives it a little bit of contrast and, you know, maybe something that flashes a little different than what they're used to seeing. Um, but then besides that, like, I, I really do like the bright colors. I like pairing different bright colors together, you know, whether it's the uh, um, fire tiger or a hot perch or uh, like a jungle perch kind of thing where you got, you know, different variety of, you know, light greens and dark greens or, or bright greens and, and uh, you know, darker greens. Yeah. Um, you know, trout patterns always been a favorite of mine just because being able to catch trout and, you know, make something that looks like a trout and then fish with it, you know. It's like you said with that meatloaf, you know, every time I cast out a trout more and reel it in, it's like, eh caught a trout today you know especially when it's a minor and you're you know those people are watching you from the shoreline and they're like wow look that guy's going man yep yeah, i do i rolled it in 27 times today just to check for weeds didn't fight very well but but no, like you said i mean that kind of stuff um you know sucker patterns that's always been one of mine i call my biggest fish on the sucker pattern that i've made um you know on a minor have to say that um yeah you know the shad stuff there's just so many it was like like paul was talking about paul frustrero with the boss shads you know 25 different perch patterns just yeah. like that it was just so many different things you could do with the shad pattern and, and uh you know one day you do it one way the next day you do it another way and somebody calls one one thing and another one gets another name the next thing you know you end up with 25 you know oh, that's yeah. just the way it works you know guys want things for specific water colors and, and that's one of the things that i've really found you know it's there's areas out there where every single person will buy one color off you green bay wisconsin every single person wants orange belly perch and i've painted so many orange belly perch meatballs it's like I feel like they're coming out of my ears, you know. I dream <laughs> orange belly perch. And uh, I'd have to say that I probably didn't even ever have one in my box until this year. And, uh, oh. you know, it's, it's one of those colors. You know, after the, after getting that first muskie on a Leo muskie dog in Arthur Perch, which is an orange belly perch. Mm -hmm. So it just goes to show you, you get your favorites and you get stuck in your ways, you know. I mean, you're probably – you're probably exactly like I am. Like you'll take a box out for the day. You'll probably take three boxes out for the day and probably use seven more the whole day. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, there's days where I go out there and I might only change the lure three times, you know, it's because when I'm running stuff that I know works, it's like, why am I going to switch it up? And, you know, and that's where I feel like learning the, the watercolors, you know, the, yeah. the, um, you know, the overall weather patterns, like whatever that kind of stuff plays into it. Maybe, you know, 
switching it up to powder in the works for that, maybe more than just, you know, running something that has traditionally been eaten in the past. So, you know, if that's uh, the case, then you have those favorites for that kind of thing. So maybe you only need one box, but <laughs> we all carry those three just in case you find that one magic lore one day. Oh. And have to get it, you know? <laughs> I, I bought two of them, those big green flambeau boxes you know to, to hang all my lures in and i i can't you can't even i can't even i have to carry all of this stuff and i can't even use like 10 percent of what i take yeah. you know but it's like you're right with the color thing and i just you know there's like those four or five like core colors that i just i don't know i stick with but it's so it's so interesting to see all the different variations of that like you were saying about what paul said about the perch I mean, I don't know, man. I just, some days, it's almost like some days, like one variation will go off versus another. And it's like, and in my mind, it's like, I got to have them all because you just never know, but there's no way to run all of them. But yeah, I don't know. That's, I've always been a fan of your paint jobs, you know, seeing the pictures and stuff on Instagram and, you know, a lot of the meatballs, I, I stare at the meatballs for a while because those are the thing with meatballs, but yeah, I mean, it's just, the, again, there's just so many different things you can do. Do you ever find yourself like, do you just like, do you just like uh, pull a, a blank out and just try different things like messing around, like reverse, whatever, like you're, you're doing like a, like a pink black perch, but instead of black, it's, you know, it's pink or just random stuff. How much, how much testing do you do? A lot of that stuff is like one of those things where I'll just be sitting at work one day and it comes to me, you know, it's like, man, why don't I try this or why don't I try that? And, you know, that's definitely one of those things that, um, you know, I don't know if it's the, I guess it's the bait maker in me, you know, I guess it's the fly tire in me that over all that time is just, you know, this is something that's going to either have contrast or, you know, that I think is going to work and, um, you know, some of those patterns are really paid off. Other ones are definitely, you know, it, there's there's something with painting the bait where you get so far in it and then you, like, bust out the Windex, you know. <laughs> you spray it on your, your paper towel and you just get yourself a clean slate and start over again. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's certain points where you realize, yeah, I can't get any more from here. But there's definitely some baits that have, that have been uh, pretty cool figured out that way that have turned out pretty decent, you know. And yeah. I think those are always the ones that come up with the they get the coolest names. And that's always been my favorite thing is, you know, trying to come up with a name for a bait. Um, just so people know how to recognize it or something like that. So Yeah. So I mean that it's important. I think a lot of guys are particular about color. You know, you mentioned about all black. I've always liked just black baits in general. I don't know if it's just because of the shadow idea, like thinking it casts a, a shadow in the column, you know, but I don't know. There's something that's just so nice about a simple black bait, you know, even like a, like a jerk bait, like casting a black jerk bait to me is like, I don't know. I just love doing that. It's, it's also nice to be able to see the bait too. And a lot of times with black, I can never see it coming in, but you know, it's one of those things. Like, it's a yeah. double-edged sword. Yeah. So, so we talked about paint. Got your favorite patterns. I, I, uh, one of the other questions I have, and and we've got a couple questions left here on my list. But you know, 
I want to hear a couple stories. Do you have any stories, maybe favorite fish or just a, you know, a fun day on the water, you know, catching, catching fish with your, your lures, your creations? Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, I think one of the best stories would be, um, when Jessica, my wife and I, when we first met, um, you know, I told her what I like to do, you know, and I, I kind of had to lay it all out there in the first, in the beginning, you know, you know, I made musky lords, you know, I spent a lot of time in the basement. Uh, I'd go fishing for weekends, you know, I'd be gone and all this stuff. And, and, uh, you know, when we met, she had some fishing gear of her own, had a tackle box and that kind of stuff. So she spent some time out there doing it too. Um, not musky fishing, but obviously she had, you know, done some trout fishing and things like that, catching some bass and hand fish. So, I told her, you know, we were going to go out and, you know, it was one of those things that was really tough. Uh, you know, we might not catch a fish, we might not see a fish or anything like that. And, you know, I, I woke her up early. That's one of those things you can, you know, it's like it's got bad news written all over. Oh, yeah. You're like, all right, we got to get up at 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning here to get out there. But, um, you know, she was she was all right with it. It worked out. Um, we got out and, and uh, I remember I had to, had a miner that I had been using. It was like in September, I want to say. Uh, we were on the river on the Allegheny. And um, so I remember I told her, you know, it's like we're going to put these these couple lures out, four lures out, and we're going to troll, you know, just go off the shoreline. And, and then we're going to, uh, you know, stop and, and have lunch or something like that. And then we'll you know, troll back down on the other side or whatever. And I remember, uh, you know, probably being in the water for 15 minutes and, you know, Next thing you know, the lines are tangled or something like that. And he was patient enough to help me there, get everything untangled, and you know, just trying to get everything set up by yourself was, was a pain in the butt. Back in that time, I had a tiller, so it was you know, letting go of the handle, and next thing you know, you're spinning backwards, and especially with the current of the river and all that kind of fun, fun stuff. But um, and, and that trip, we ended up, you know, after that first time, uh, ended up getting. A 42 and a 43 inch muskie so she was uh i felt like she was my good luck charm you know and um you know both of them were on that same minor same card color so it was one of those things like man this is you know onto a pattern um and then the next time i took her out we also got two more muskies so it was like talk about somebody getting into it locking into it you know so we really felt like you know she started out on the right foot um and uh, so that was a pretty cool situation with her taking her out again, you know, a couple of muskies, somebody that had no experience doing it at all. And, and, uh, and then we eventually got married. So I want to say that had something to do with it, right? <laughs> nice. Nice. That's a good one. My man, my only question is she started off with like four fish and two trips. I mean, oh, yeah. What, what, what happens whenever you get that skunk? It's, yeah. Yeah. That's it was a, a lot different, man. I'll tell you. We had, uh, I, don't, I don't remember, it, was, it couldn't have been the same year, but we had, uh, we made a couple trips like later into the fall together. And I remember, you know, trying to convince her, I got one of those little Mr. Buddy heaters. Oh yeah. And I remember she had like a Snuggie on the one trip with like a jacket over top and, and it's just looking at me like, yeah, you're nuts. Like there's no way of going out doing this again. You're crazy. You know, and it was like, but we caught four fish, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We got two. Tr- no, nope, okay. not happening. 
That's so good, man. I mean, that's that's awesome, though. I mean, you guys going out and doing that, and that, that story in particular, your back-to-back trips with, with four fish, I mean, couldn't really ask for, you know, anything better there. And, uh, uh, definitely not. So I got to ask you about this, because this is probably – I don't know, man. It's just one of my favorite pictures of, you know, of a young one, you know, out fishing. There was a picture from, I think it was last year. It was a you, Jess, and Emmett out on the boat. Yeah. There's, there's a picture up on Muskie's Inc. on uh, Chapter 16's website of, uh, of Jessica and Emmett. And the man, the look on his face is priceless. He looks so excited. Talk, yeah. Talk to me about that. What was it like seeing Emmett like that with the, with the fish, man? Are you, you got to be pretty proud about that one. We were out there for a while first. And that was one of those things like, you know, it was, it was tough to keep them, you know, interested in what we were doing and just being out in the boat in general, I guess was the thing, you know, it's like he, he was good for a while. And then it was like, you know, I guess kind of got boring and, but you know, one of those things too, we're trying to always be prepared and bring some stuff with you. So, we had some, uh, brought some of his hot wheel cars and things like that. So it was nice to be able to get him, you know, out there and doing that. And, and, uh, you know, sure enough, one of the rods went off and we were able to get the fish in and, and he was like super excited to just see it once it got, you know, once it was in the net and he was able to see it and check it out, you know, brought it into the boat and, and Jessica was really excited. He was really excited. So it was cool to experience that with him. And, uh, he was two at the time, so he, he wasn't able to get on the reel or anything like that with that first yeah. one. Um, but it was just so cool for him to, you know, hear it and see everybody moving and doing everything and, and getting in the boat. Now, um, a little bit after that, he and I got another one. We went on a trip just together, and uh, I think we, we might have been fishing for 25 minutes or something like that, but we had just started eating our lunches. So we, we packed a lunch and we just started eating our lunches. The next thing you hear the rod going off. And, and that was another one of those, man, he was so excited. And, and just seeing that in the little guy, you know, it's super cool. Um, and I'm hoping that he's, you know, it's one of those things that he's interested in over time. Um, but we feel lucky because my sister has a small pond also on her property. And uh, we're able to catch like the bass and bluegill and all that kind of stuff out with her. And it's super easy, you know, you just walk right down to the pond and you can do it right there. Um, so he, he's caught some fish before and he really likes doing it. Uh, you know, that second one, I was able to get him on the reel a little bit. And, and he knows, you know, he understands what he needs to do. But that was a little bit bigger fish, so it was tough for him. Um, <laughs> I think that's the thing that, that was tough for me to understand. You know, it's like, you know, these fish aren't small and he's, you know, the fish was almost as big as he was, you know, yeah. if not bigger. And, uh, you know, getting a, a two-year-old to crank one in is not going to be the easiest <laughs> thing to do here. So we, we got that one in and we're able to get it in the net. And, you know, same deal. Super excited. and It's just so cool to see maybe get him in, into it and get it back out there this year. So like I told you, you know, he has his interests and me being a bait maker and having my interests. Um, one of the things that I'm hoping to do this year to get him more into it is paint some baits in his colors, you know, there you go. try to do some stuff to get him, you know, oh, he's yeah. really big into the transformers. Okay. And, uh, I think that'll be cool to get some transformer colors. He loved bumblebee. So that's one. I mean, there's already a bait called, you know, bumblebee. bumblebee. So 
we'll get them out there fishing bumblebee this year, and I think that'll really help. So that's awesome. You know, there's a lot of grown men out there that would be interested in some transformer paint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's cool stuff, man. I mean, that's and that's that's probably the one thing that I really like about social media. And it's funny because with the YouTube thing and just Facebook and Instagram, like I've never been a fan of social media. It's just hilarious to me, you know, but seeing that, you know, seeing, you know, you guys out there, you know, your family, you're out there catching fish, you know, on the water together. I mean, that's, that's cool stuff. That's what I like social media for. Yeah. And that's, that's the type of thing that I feel like it's meant, you know, and it just, I'm, I won't forget, you know, every time I go up to the website to check something, I see that picture up there and I get a little, I get a smile out of it. <laughs> just classic. Here's an interesting one. This is one I was kind of curious about. So what you, you had mentioned that you want to, maybe your best fish or one of your best fish was on one of your baits. That was the minor. So I guess this doesn't have to be, my question is what was your best day? on a Shaw's bait. Now that could be, it could be numbers, doesn't have to be numbers. It could be, you know, one particular fish or multiple fish. What, what would you consider your best day on the water with your baits? Yeah, I would say it was probably that one. That was my personal best. Um, that was during the Chautauqua tournament. Um, I want to say 2017 up at uh, Lake Chautauqua. Um, and that was one of those tournaments too, where you know, that was the second day. Um, Pretty early in the morning, first day, I want to say 20 minutes into the day, uh, we had a really nice fish on on a plane board and uh, ended up getting off. Um, I think we caught maybe one small one later on in the day after that. And uh, just coming back to the boat launch and just kind of being bummed, you know, just being like frustrated. And, you know, one of those things where you kind of get down on yourself and musky fishing is, is has that tendency to do it to you know and you're oh, out there for like 12 hours straight and you get like two fish one of them small and one of them's all right you know and i remember coming back to the launch that day and uh seeing doug vanasco and um and talking to doug and just kind of you know doug really just you know told us hey it's musky fish anything can happen tomorrow you know you just keep your head up you know have some confidence and you know, tomorrow's a whole new day. You never know what will happen out there. And I remember going back to the to the uh, stand on in Jamestown at the Comfort or something like that, going back and, and just kind of like thinking about what you're going to do different tomorrow. You know, and thinking mm-hmm. about you know what you what you did today and, and where you saw fish or where you saw bait and you know, what you were going to do different tomorrow. And and I remember, I think it was one of those things. Like I was thinking, you know, like. I've caught fish on the river 17 foot back, you know, that minor 17 foot back. And, and that was the thing that I did, you know, and it was the same deal. Kind of played off the other story. Jessica, that minor 17 foot back is how we were catching fish when I took her out. You know, that's exactly what I did. 17 foot back on that down rod. And uh, sure enough, we were cutting across the middle of the lake. I think it was like seven twenty in the morning or something like that. 37 foot of water. 17 foot back, seven foot down, 37 foot of water. Rod just took off, you know. Man, it sounded like a snag, you know, like always. You know, you hear something go off, like, oh, it's a snag. You know, that's not a snag. And uh, it was a beautiful fish. We got in the net, and it was it was a little tough. We 
you know, had to revive it for a little while. Uh, it swam off, seemed to go off pretty well. So um, just one of those things where, you know, in that situation, you know, during a tournament for Muskie Zinc on the second day after having a rough first day, and, you know, on one of your baits, you know, in the middle of the deep basin, it was it was really cool to have uh, that experience on, you know, one of my own baits at that time, and and uh, just kind of gratifying, you know, after talking to Doug and kind of getting, you know, that, you know, like we needed that talked off that ledge, you know, like we didn't oh, yeah. musky fishing. Tomorrow could be a different day, you know, and getting that. All right, you know, it's like no reason to be frustrated about what happened today, is you know something can change in a minute. You know, and that's how musky fishing is. And, and uh, it was just it was a super cool experience. How big was that fish? I didn't catch that. Uh, that was 51 and a half. I don't know if I said that or not, but yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely uh, a Chautauqua Bell. So that was, wow. uh, yeah, a beauty too. It was one of those, you know, really barred up, you know, striped out fish. So it was, it was really pretty. Yeah, that is that is like the Chautauqua dream right there. Yeah. That is like the reason we spend time on Chautauqua is try to catch one of those big, beautiful, those brown back yeah. monkeys. But that's a cool story. You know, and he I'll tell you another one real quick, dude. Honestly, yeah. if you don't mind, uh, one yeah, of go ahead. First, the first decent fish that I got off the trolling. Um, and that's the thing about Chautauqua. Like, I feel like I've always been able. I've had some tough trips up there, but the times where I've been able to get some good fish, good trips have been great fish. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the first fish that I'd ever got up there was uh, one of my, I want to say the second year that I got boat. So I want to say that was like maybe 2009 or so. Um, we went up there, my family, we rented a house on the south end. Um, and had gone up there. It was during the G20, which was like the global summit was happening oh. in Pittsburgh. And, and uh, I, I was working downtown, so they you know, wanted to shut downtown off. And so they basically told us you could work from home or you could you know, do something different. So I was able to you know, take some vacation time, and we went up to Chautauqua and stayed up there. And uh, I remember we went, you know, I went out, we were there for five days, seven days, like that and i remember catching fish every you know going out every day catching a couple of fish but I remember in particular the one evening i went out and uh, we were in the south end there by smith boys and uh you could tell it was it was just getting dusk and a storm must have been kind of blowing in because it was like that purplish dark you know it was getting and kind of hazy and i uh, thinking man this is musky weather you know this is perfect conditions to catch musky in and uh, that night, I had asked my mom to go out with me. She very rarely, you know, would go out with me in the boat on just that situation that we were up there. But my mom had always gone fishing and things like that in the past. You know, she had grown up in a family that fished and things like that. So it was cool to be able to get her out and do that. And, um, yeah, we got, a, we got a fish that day on a bait that I made, painted it with a spray can. And uh, one of those things, you know, it's like, who would have ever thought, you know, a color uh -huh. that I sprayed, sprayed with the spray can. That fish was 48, and uh, it was just, a, you know, same deal. Real dark, but real gold, you know, mm -hmm. beautiful Chautauqua fish. Just super thick. And I remember having that fish in the net and asking my mom, like, all right, you can hold it now? And she's like, 
note and the fish like looking at the fish in the net it was like chomping on the bait still and it's like yeah i can understand you know seeing that you're like no there's no way i'm gonna put my hand in that fish's mouth you know uh, so yeah it was pretty cool to be able to get her out and have that experience with her you know one of those things where yeah you think back like what are the chances of that you know and that lake in particular, like, you know, making memories with my family, being able to go up there and spend time like that with them and, and uh, troll that lake with your baits or, you know, some, some of the other local guys' baits and be able to catch fish up there. It's really been special. So. Yeah, those are two good ones, man. Those are Thanks. good stories. Yeah, that, uh, that's a, I keep coming back to that. You know, that's the, one of the biggest things. I think I've learned, I'm learning about musky fishing. You know, it's not necessarily about, you're going to have your, you're going to have your days where it's going to be up and down. You know, you might not catch fish on any given day. You might go out and catch multiple fish, but looking back on it, you know, I don't know, like, I just feel like it's, it's, that's what it's about is making memories. You know, you're out there on the water and even when you're not catching fish, you know, you're, you're still learning, but you're out there with, with people that you want to spend time with. And, you know, sometimes that's, sometimes that's better than catching a fish, you know, it just, you get that time, you know, and that's, that's a bonus when you get a fish like that with your mom, you know, it's, uh, that's cool stuff. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. That, thanks for bringing those up. Um, all right. So we talked about this a little bit. So muskies Inc., being that we talked about this already, I think I'm going to ask a question that I've already covered, but what do you think the impact, what impact has muskies Inc. had on you as a fisherman, you know, as a muskie angler? What do you, what do you feel that impact was? So I think as a fisherman and also somebody who's interested in the sport and the biology of muskies, um, Musky fishing or musky zinc uh, has given me a means to communicate with the fish and boat commission in an effective way. So, and I think that's also another thing that kind of gets, you know, we talked about the whole, uh, the mentor thing is huge. Like mm -hmm. when you start out musky fishing and I know you've had that with Dan, you know, I had that with a rich, like getting to know somebody that's done it or at least has some experience doing it or has some of the gear or something like that is just huge to be able to get started in, you know, and be able to mm -hmm. get to uh, Muskie's Inc. is definitely the best place to, to meet somebody like that. And um, Chapter 16 has a lot of willing people that will take you out and introduce you into the sport and, you know, try to show you the ropes and, and get you into fish. I mean, that's just the way that a lot of these guys are now. And that's, it's, uh, it's a little different than the past. I know guys have had the view that, you know, the clubs are, people that want information from themselves and that's it but um i really do think that it's it's kind of changing with the mm -hmm. mentality um but also like i mentioned just an avenue to be able to um express your concerns or or whatever they might be to the fish and boat commission gratitude even to the fish and boat commission for yeah. what they're able to do and and um i think that's you know with the the Hugh Becker Foundation, the Minnow Fund and everything like that, you know, like being able to show them that we're serious about this, um, that we're a group of anglers and even if we're, you know, 0.1% or whatever we are, that we still spend a lot of money on fishing lures and invest a ton of money into the sport. Um, and, and that 
our opinion really matters too. I really feel like that that has a lot to do with it. You know, yeah. Musk think is able to give people that that avenue, um, and I think that's where it's important. Yeah, I I mean you covered it well. You know, I, I the reason I'm asking that question is you know I've been I've been sharing my experiences with the club. I've been trying to do that as as much as I can through my channel, but it also helps when you have other guys, you know, sharing their opinions on it because it can get old listening to me talk about the importance of the club, but man, it's everything you said. And, and I think that was another point too. the, the point with fish and boat, you know, maybe we take a minute to talk about, you know, the GIS piece that you put together for the, the musky anglers log, you know, that, can you, uh, you want to touch on that for a minute? Maybe an overview of what, what that is? Yeah. So, um, that was one of those things like, you know, reviewing that, uh, I want to say, I don't, I don't know when it first started. I think 2007, whenever they came out with a new musky management plan. And, uh, back at that time, Al Woomer was, uh, the biologist in charge and, uh, reading through that document and, and uh, just kind of, um, seeing some of the information that they had in there about um, like angler usage and things like that of, and, and getting feedback from people. And, and um, one of the programs, whenever I first started going to um, some of those Marine Muskie Association meetings were um, that they handed out the paper log books and that was how they were getting their information at the time were these like a, a paper log book that they handed out to people and, and expected guys to fill them out. And then at the end of the year, um, mail them back to the fish and boat commission. And then, you know, I guess that was how they, they got their angler information. And uh, through some of the trips that I'd gone on, um, you know, we were in Prescott, Wisconsin in October and uh, we were at a boat launch and we got creel surveyed. And I thought, man, this is pretty crazy to be, out in the middle of nowhere if you've ever been out that way i mean it is literally out in northern wisconsin on the border of michigan um in the north woods in the middle of absolutely nowhere um and there's a guy at the boat launch asking us if we caught anything that day you know, and it's like man talk about uh angler you know surveying oh, yeah. you know, outreach and it was pretty crazy to me um and one of the things that got me was that you know the ohio muskie program had a a program to do this that was online and um you know being at the time that i was working with gis software and things like that um you know at, at first i really didn't realize that it was something that we would be able to do um but you know i kind of reached out to the fish and boat commission to see what their thoughts were and it was one of those things like they kind of came back with like yeah it looks really great but our physical constraints are that we can't you know, we can't really do anything. We can't spend money on making something that, you know, we don't have already. Or, um, and I kind of just, you know, took it upon myself, I guess, to um, figure out a way to do it and, and kind of came out pretty well. Um, and it was really cool to get, you know, like to get to the point where I said, all right, you know, like, here's what I'm going to do. Um, and then I reached out to all the biologists at the Fish Boat Commission, you know, Al Rumor. Um, Bob Loranis at the time, um, and there were a lot of other guys, can't think of all their names right now, but um, that they had a lot of feedback on what we, what data that we were going to collect that would be useful for them. 
So that's a lot of like the, the number of, you know, hours you spent out, you know, fishing for muskies, how many muskies you contacted, mm-hmm. because that's the information that they like to gather for the uh, catch per unit effort. So they want to see how much time you've invested and then want to see what the results are of that investment that you've made. So it's been really cool to get feedback from them on, you know, information that we've been able to provide to them. And then the biologists are able to provide to, you know, anybody else in the Fish and Boat Commission about the usage statistics and things like that. And, and uh, it's really great to hear that, you know, for the last few years, they they sent out a message asking for data. And it's pretty yeah. cool that we're able to provide data to them now. And uh, they're able to, you know, look into where anglers are using the resource and what their success is. You know, it's cool to be able to send them a picture and say, all right, this is, you know, musky zinc club members you know and, and with a fish out of this body of water and, and, and it really you know for guys like jared and mm-hmm. guys like brian Ensign, you know it really does make it's got to make them feel good you know to see that yeah and, and that's i mean that is what i want to get at with that because you were talking about how muskies inc opened that door you know for better communication with with fish and boat and the hatcheries and the biologists and it ultimately led to you taking it upon yourself you know to do this and to build this this app this piece that is going to help provide information to them that's going to benefit them and their work in the fishery ultimately you know and that's the thing like that is such a cool thing and we talked about this a little bit you know maybe maybe with jared but maybe this was a sidebar conversation but that thing you know, I would love to be able to push that and get people, and I'm not sure what the usage is on it, but I know personally, I need to use it more. And that's something that I'm going to do this year, you know, and, and that's the question too, is you can still log a trip, even if you don't see a fish, right? I mean, that's the whole point to this, to see how much time. Yeah. And that's the thing that I feel like that they really did want was information on, um, you know, the trips where people were taking, even if they weren't seeing fish, you know, that you invested maybe seven hours into it and, and didn't see a fish or, and there is an area in there that you can, you can add comments. So whether it's, you know, I saw one fish or had a follow and, you know, didn't eat or whatever. I mean, that's, that's still useful information for them because you know, whether you caught one or not still having that, you know, that you saw a fish or, or whatever yeah. the situation might've been, but it really, uh, it seems to help them out. So it's been pretty good. Yeah. And, and one more comment on that, you know, the fact that you took the initiative to do that, I mean, man, it's a tough thing, you know, and I don't know what, what's involved in something like that. You know, I don't have a GIS background, but I, you know, I see the app, I understand how it works and, you know, kudos to you, man, for taking the initiative to do that. You know, that's a big deal. That's, that's the type of thing. And I'll use the term innovation. That's just my IT background coming out but I mean that's the type of thing that you know that I guess when you think about it it's like a being a pioneer in that area being able to open the communication further you know to to help with this stuff I mean that's a that's a big deal to me you know so kudos for that that's that's something that we should be talking about and using you know a lot more in my opinion and I uh you know I'm looking forward to 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 contributing to it you know just information yeah, I was hoping that eventually we'd be able to, you know, Fish and Boat Commission has an RTIS license, and I was hoping that we would eventually be able to, like, roll it into something that they would be able to post on their website and things like that, but 
I'm not sure if we're ever going to get to that just because I know that they use a consultant to do a lot of their GIS services. So I'm not sure exactly how that relationship is. Um, yeah. But it's something that we need to keep doing to be able to keep this relationship alive between us and the Fish and Boat Commission. And I mean, yeah. it's something that you know, we'll gladly host and be able to do um, just to be able to keep that keep that up and going. So. Yeah. All right. So we're getting towards the end of my questions here. Um, this is an important one because I feel like, especially some guys that are, that might be listening to this, you know, what, what would you consider, or do you have maybe a top tip or two for the new muskie angler? Yeah. So it's kind of like we talked about already. I mean, I, I, first off, I would say just get information, you know, try to try to get as much information as you can. Um, you know, read books, read articles, you know, get on maybe some discussion pages and read some past posts about things that you are curious about and things like that. Um, and then try to start out in high density waters just to make it a little bit easier for yourself. Um, you know, it's tough to go, go to a place that doesn't have a whole lot of muskies and try to catch one, um, you know, and do some research in the places that are, that are, getting stalked over time, you know, and have, have been stalked over time, have a good population of fish in them and, and try to fish in those types of places. Um, there are quite a few of them around us. So, I mean, that's a benefit that, you know, we have waters, waters like that around. And then, um, you know, I, I'd say just maybe try to focus on like one type of technique and don't, don't go go all in like you know you, you need trolling gear you need bucktails you need glide baits you need top water you need you know start out with one way to, to catch them and, and learn that one way and then progress into everything else and maybe it won't be as tough you know and that's one thing that's really is is difficult is you know being able to find willing fish all the time is just it's it's not easy and uh, spending the amount of time that you need to, to get that kind of feedback is what can be tough with it too. So um, going to places that are higher density and, you know, whether they're smaller fish or not, you know, still getting, still catching a muskie is, is catching a muskie, especially when you're starting out. So uh, getting that kind of, uh, you know, getting that kind of feedback from the fish and then learning from there, it's definitely, it's definitely the way to go. And uh, you'll eventually get a bigger one and, and it'll feel like you earned it because you you worked into it, you know. So that's just my my advice, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, you're spot on. I mean, <laughs> I, obviously still learning, but one of the biggest adjustments I made, you know, and you and you even helped me with this, you know, to find water with higher percentages and really pick a tactic and and fish it and learn learn the tools that you're you know you're using to catch a fish and you know that that helped me last year. You know, I, I had the first, I guess, success that I've had by myself, you know, fishing by myself. I, I caught a few fish and, you know, it was, it was exactly the advice that you just gave. I mean, that was it. So I can attest to that. I mean, that's all good stuff. And I think that's the thing, man. And it's like, what we talked about with the progression that over time, you know, it's like you gradually get into it. Like this year, Charlie and I really had a lot of, a lot of success with, you know, identifying things on the side scan. And that's just like that new technology has been something that's really opened my eyes to, you know, what you can do with the technology and being able to, to read what's out there and, 
and know like, am I in the right area or am I in the wrong area? Am I investing time into a place that I'm not going to get a good feedback, you know, good, good mm-hmm. return from or not. And, and I think that's been, you know, like I said, I mean, the learning process of, all right, I'm fishing a high density area or a high density lake, but am I fishing a high density area in the high density lake? I mean, that's all part of it too, you know, and it's really been, uh, um, it, it was really opened my eyes whenever you see how many fish can come out of a small area at times. And, and I think that's part of it is that, you know, there's a certain reason why fish are using the places that they use. And it's not just because, oh, geez, there's a, a roadbed there. Or, oh, geez, there's a you know, creek channel there. Or, oh, geez, there's, there's some bait fish around the area. I mean, there's a reason why they're there for, for being there, you know. And uh, it's it's cool to figure that out and, and have the success based on you know what what you've seen. So and it's all just you know learning the next step of the game, getting to yeah. the next level, I guess, right? The, the progression, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I keep we keep coming back to that, but it's so true, man. I mean, everything you said, it's it's all progression. It takes time to learn, and the more time you put on the water, the more you're going to learn. You know, I. Yeah. I learned a lot last year, but, you know, I'm hoping to learn twice the amount that I, you know, this year and, and pick yeah. new things to learn. And uh, there's just so many opportunities to do that in the world of musky fishing. No. So I don't know if you're a guy that's like me that's into like some of the literature or anything like that, but okay. one of the great books is called Time on the Water. And uh, it really explains, I mean, it's just, a, it's a guy that's starting out that really has no experience. He was, a, I think, a journalist for the LA Times kind of quit his job moved to wisconsin and documented what you know like his 100 days or something like that that he fished for the musky season and it really kind of showed you it was it's it's a little different than what we have around here but i mean it mm-hmm. kind of just shows you what it's like you know i mean he, he went through the struggles he went through fishless times he went through you know everything that you go through and it's just one of those things where you know it's kind of like a it's a good psychology book for musky fishing because it's like, yeah, this happens to all of us. We all go through it at some point, you know? So that's really cool. One of the, that, one of the books that I really think helped me through, you know, some of those struggles in the beginning. Uh, I, uh, just a real quick side story. Uh, Jason, um, Milnes, Milnes, he actually, went out on Amazon and picked that up for me. He sent it to me one night. I was talking to him about at one of the club club meetings. And he said, have you, have you read time on the water? I said, no, he's like, all right. And it just, that night, you know, I got a, I got a message from him with the, with the download and uh, you know, man, I started, I'm, I'm, I'm about three quarters of the way through it now, but I've been slowly chipping away because it's hard for me to sit down and read, but I can tell you probably one of, the best books and i have there I'll, I'll confess to you there's not many books that i've finished unless they're fishing related but yeah. you know it's probably one of the best written books that i've and it just the the personal account and everything you know he just moved his entire family up there and i mean it's good stuff it's just yeah. uh, there's another one that's a takeoff on it it's called it's 120 days with bill hamlin and it's another one of those stories like and the, the two things that I think that are really cool about them is that I've been to both of those areas before where they take place. So it's neat to fish in these places and know like 
what these guys are talking about. You know, it's like, I've been there and, you know, I've seen that before. I've, and, uh, that's another one of those stories where, you know, it's like 120 days on the water and he tells you what he's been through and what he's caught. It's really good, really cool feedback to hear, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd suggest those to anybody that's just, you know, going through the struggles. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a good recommendation too. It's a good read. I'll have to check it. I'll have to check that second one out for sure. All right. Well, one of my last, I guess my last question for you tonight is where can we get a hold of Mr. Evan Shaw's to find his Shaw's bait company lineup? All right. So you can find me on Facebook. I'm on just regular Facebook as Evan Shaw's. Um, and then I also have Shaw's bait company on Facebook. If you want to check out um, the Shaw's bait company page, which there's not really a whole lot of information on there besides just pictures and things like that. Um, the place to get Shaw's Baits is a secret group called the Crockpot Collective. So if you'd like to join the Crockpot Collective, uh, send me a friend request on Facebook and I can add you to the group. Um, otherwise, I'm going to post some stuff on my on my personal page, hopefully this year, on, a, on the Shaw's Bait Company page. Um, so I have a whole bunch of stuff that I'm building right now. I'm kind of in the midst of literally like if I took a panoramic shot of this room, I'd have, you know, pretty much unfinished baits everywhere you look. <laughs> so hopefully here in the next month or so, month and a half, I'm going to have a bunch of stuff posted up. Um, whether it's, you know, it's going to be on one page or the other, but most everything will be all on, online. So um, you know, keep tuned. Uh, send me a message if you'd like to join the Crockpot page. All right, that's awesome. I follow that. I was I was looking at it the other night. <laughs> See, I sent your message on some of those colors. Yeah. Oh man, that's good stuff. So, okay. is there uh, anything else you want to cover? No, I think that's about it, man. All right. Watch everything. All right. So, anybody that's listening or watching, guys, need to go out to your social media pages and send Evan a friend request check out the Instagram page out there and you guys need to get a hold of some of these baits. If you can meatballs, miners, the whole lineup, the whole lineup in every color, right? <laughs> Do that. You got to have every color, man. I appreciate you doing this tonight, Evan. Thank you very much for jumping on. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure, you know, talking with you and uh, your class act, man. I appreciate everything you do for, you know, for the fisheries here and for the club and, you know, for guys like, you know, me, you know, just the, the general fisherman that wants to, uh, to get out there and catch some fish. So thanks again. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this tonight. No problem. Thank you. All right. All right, Yins guys. Evan gave us a ton of information on his bait line. He talked about different scenarios where you guys can run these baits you know, where he likes to run them, when he likes to run them. You know, he's got a lot of different varieties and styles of baits or tools for specific times of the year or specific scenarios. Now, he also told some awesome stories, you know, talking about his son getting that fish and being super excited and then talking about being and spending time with his wife on the water and, you know, catching fish with his mom. I mean, these are all 
awesome family stories that it really helps you guys get to know somebody and really it just shows how awesome Evan is with that family background and, and he's doing this thing for all the right reasons. You know, he's on the water chasing muskies. He loves to do it. He loves to teach about it and share information about it. You know, he's engaged with PA Fish and Boat. That muskie anglers log is an awesome tool that's going to help provide information to the biologist at PA Fish and Boat. So Evan's doing a lot for the fishery as well, maintaining that and really trying to help anglers use it so that we can do our part as muskie fishermen to give back to the biologist to give them that critical information. You know, again, I can't say enough about Evan um, and just everything that he does, you know, as a fisherman, as a, as a person, you know, these are the types of people that you guys can meet at Muskies Inc. and establish relationships with. You know, so with that said, guys, I really enjoyed this video cast. I hope you guys did too. If you like this video, hit that like button for me. If you guys like this content overall, please subscribe to my channel. Also, please feel free to leave me a comment down below. Let me know if you guys like these video casts, if they're worth doing, um, how you're, you know, anything I can do better, how you guys are enjoying them. You know, also go out to that podcast on the Podbean site. You guys can use that for audio only. That way you don't have to sit down and commit to a two-hour video. You guys can listen in the car. You can listen at work. That's why I put that out there for you guys. And I plan on putting most of my videos up on that podcast site as well. So again, special shout out to Evan Shaw's. Special shout out to Charlie Mueller. You guys are awesome fishermen. And Evan, thank you again for coming on, talking Shaw's Bait Company and talking musky fishing. I greatly appreciate you doing that. All right, guys, check out Shaw's Bay Company. Go out to the Facebook pages. Go out to Instagram. Join that crock pot. You know, take a look and see what Evan's got cooking. It's just awesome, awesome stuff. He makes killer products that catch tons of fish. And again, he's a local, homegrown Pennsylvania musky fisherman slash bait maker. And really, you know, at some point, these baits down the road are going to be part of that musky history that we talked about earlier in this video. All right, guys, I greatly appreciate each and every one of you that have been supporting me over the last couple of years. I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate you guys watching. Um, I'm having a blast still. We're going to continue to do this. You know, it's almost time to get on the water. The ice is coming off, waiting for a few more lakes to break ice and that water temperature just to come up a little bit. And we're going to be out there on the water chasing these fish. Super pumped, super excited. Hopefully you guys can get out there and do some fishing here real soon. Check out the voluntary musky permit. Go out there, get your fishing license, get the family out there, make some memories. Get out of the house, get some fresh air. You guys will enjoy it, I promise you. All that's left to say guys is, tight lines, we will see you next time.